The average church in North America draws an adult crowd that is 61% female. Where are the men? That's why I wrote Why Men Hate Going to Church. Welcome to another episode of Act Like Men, Men's Leadership Podcast. We are passionate about helping pastors and churches build an engaging ministry to their men. And the reason we do that is because we believe every man deserves to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Wendell Morton, the Executive Director, and the other voice you'll hear that you hear every time is Dale Uni, my co-host. Dale, welcome. Good to be with you, Wendell. You know, our guest today had a profound impact in ministry in my life, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm just glad we get to share him with a lot of our listeners today, too. Yeah, I know, Dale, you shared a couple of stories with me before uh, we, we came on, and uh, I, I know he's had an impact. That's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Let me introduce you, David Murrow. Name is pretty familiar around men's ministry ranks for quite some time. Written a book that uh, I looked at the title and, and take a, took a second look and then realized, you know what? He is so right. First published in 2005, then 2011, Why Men Hate Going to Church. And in fact, some men hate going to church. So that's exactly right. David's an author. He's a trainer. He's a speaker. He's a media consultant and a creator. Uh, what I like about David is, you know, one of the primary roles of a leader is to define reality, define reality. And David is a, a, a truth teller, and uh, he helps define that for us so we know how to move forward. David, welcome. Good, good to have you. Thank you. So let's go back to pre-2005, I guess, because uh, that's when the book was first published. But what was in your heart, mind, life? What were you seeing? that caused you to uh, to uh, inform the church that men hate going to church? <laughs> well, um, every time Christians gather, whether it's for Christian concert, in church, um, with the exception of pastor's conference and the one Promise Keeper event I attended, women were always in the majority. There was always about 60% right. women and just 40% men. So I thought, well, there's got to be a book about this, and there wasn't. I'm a television producer by trade. I thought I would do a documentary. Um, couldn't get any interest in that. So I went ahead and wrote a book. And uh, you know, like within days, the president of Promise Keepers was on the phone. The New York Times was on the phone. The Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, they were all, you know, what are you talking about? Because I, I looked at the problem not from a religious perspective, but from a sociological right. one. Right. What are right. we doing sociologically? How are we treating the men? How are we, are we creating a masculine space or a feminine space? And that's really what the... The book is about. It just teaches uh, churches how to create a, a, a worship environment where men are <clears throat> feel that they're valued and needed. Mm. Yeah, that that's so good. Um, um, a masculine context. We talked about a lot of promise keepers, and it probably mostly likely came out of your book. And uh, the value of that was that we had an understanding of how to work with men that are different. I loved your approach of sociological versus quote theological or spiritual mm-hmm. because yeah. that. So often, um, it's not what we say as much as the environment in which we're trying to say it. And so I think that's, that's a critical component right there. How, is, how has it been received? What has been your, uh, your, your feedback? Um, 
Well, fairly well. I, you know, I expected a firestorm of opposition. There really wasn't that much back in 2005 when I'd written it. If I had released it about four years ago during the Me Too movement, probably wouldn't have been the best time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But um, I've heard from a lot of pastors around the world. Seminaries are using it uh, to train pastors. Um, The in the 17 or 18 years since I've written it, actually manhood itself has changed. Society does not encourage people to define themselves by their gender anymore right. or to choose a different gender or, you know, uh, it's, right. it's not just men and women anymore. Right. So th- there's not a lot of momentum right now toward getting men back in church because we don't really understand what men are anymore. Right. So I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. I think there may need to be a third version of the book coming out here pretty soon <laughs> because young men don't define themselves as men the way the boomer men did. Is that no, an indicator not. of what's uh, going on in your writing world, David? <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, I, I, yeah, everything's kind of changing. We're changing. I mean, there's been a huge change in the way people uh, absorb their uh, information, their ideas, yep, yep, and yep. Uh, men are no yep. exception to that. So it's uh, yep. it's a yep. challenge for churches to reach the unchurched, especially unchurched men, because they are, you know, they are so involved. I just wrote a book called Drowning in Screen Time. And they are yeah, so sure. absorbed in their screen world, and to call them into the real a real world adventure with Christ is not as appealing as it might have been twenty years ago. Well, especially if they walk into an environment that's not set up for men. So to start with, yeah. you got that issue. Let alone where their brain and their head and, and probably their spirit is too at this point in time. I think that's a real critical piece. I mean, we've moved from men as leaders in our home and church, et cetera, et cetera, to not even a, a, a spectator role. Because at least at the Bronco games where I live, the <laughs> spectators are going crazy. They're they're in the game, even though they're not on the field. And uh, men don't even get engaged as a spectator in the church anymore. They're passive at best, and many of them don't even show up. Hmm. You know, that's, that's really true. Um, one of the good things that the megachurches have done is they pulled us away from feminized worship to our gender neutral. We, you know, there's yeah. no more flowers at the altar and quilts right. and ribbons right. and, right. you know, it doesn't look like a feminine space anymore. So bravo. Right. Uh, right. Another thing that they've done is about 20 years ago, it was very popular with these Jesus is my boyfriend songs, you know, oh, my yeah. passionate, intimate yeah. lover and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. That's kind of gone away. Yeah. So Thank that's, you. that's a good thing. But I, yeah. I think um, they there has been such an emphasis on uh, on lengthy praise and worship sets, sets of songs that nobody knows. And so you have guys who invite their friends to church and for the first 20 minutes, they're standing in the dark trying to sing song or they don't even try. It's, it's, it's not a very man friendly thing, you know, and these music sets are getting longer and longer and longer yeah. with songs. Yeah. Nobody knows. And it's yep. all driven by commerce and, you know, these yep. big four big mega churches that are pumping all this music into the, yep. that, that's a yep. subject for another day. It is, it <laughs> and, is. But, it, but it's valid. It's valid. Yeah. Valid. Well, the, again, the other thing is, is we, we're moving into, this is true of men and women. We're moving into a, an era of almost completely visual yep. uh, media. Uh, yep. uh, we're, you know, just a guy on a screen talking almost impossible mm. yep. to get people to watch that. And so, uh, I'm yeah. doing something called online preaching coach. I'm teaching pastors how to make their sermons watchable, memorable, and shareable because that the, the internet is the marketplace of ideas. It's no longer the lecture yeah. hall. Right. Yeah. And if we're going to yeah. win the yeah. next generation yeah. to Christ, we've got to learn to communicate yeah. visually quick, yeah. capture attention right away. Yeah. And these yeah. are things I know as a television producer, but a lot of churches don't. 
They don't. They don't. And and you spend all week preparing for a message and then you share it on Sunday. And unless you do something else with it, you're done. It, it's, it's, it's a so, real, it's a waste. It's a wasted effort. I mean, most pastors spend about a third of their week putting together a message yeah. and they get up there and it's, you know, 45 minutes long and yeah. nobody shares it. <laughs> Right. And it just dies. You know, the internet is where sermons go to die. Yeah. So yeah. that, and it's, this is, you know, men are going to give you less time than women are, you know, men are going to, they they're going to tune in. They're going to, they're going to listen to the first two minutes of your sermon. And if all you've done is says, let's read from the book of Jeremiah, starting in right. chapter seven, we'll start right. with verse six. And the Lord yeah. saith unto Jeremiah, go yeah, forth. Exactly. <laughs> if your sermon starts like that, there is no yeah, way anybody's going to watch that. He's so gone. yeah, yeah. we, we, yeah, we got to yeah, fix yeah. preaching. Yeah, we do. We really do. We really do. And uh, that yeah. will have an impact on the men as well. That's for sure. It will. Because men are not going to, they're not going to give you two minutes to get to the point. You got to get to the point right away. No, that's correct. That's the average, average guy. That's for sure. So mm-hmm. uh, you, you've indicated a couple of the trends that are going on today that, that some are positive, right? At least we've gone to gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Some are yes. not so positive and that men are no longer even spectators at this point. They're just passengers at best in many cases. They're just sitting but, there. Yeah. If, if they go, they just the sit box. there. If they go, they just check the box. I went to church with my wife. It was her church, not my church. And uh, I checked yeah. the box. What else are you seeing that's going on today? You mentioned your online preaching. You're trying to help pastors do something with what they put together. How do we impact yes. men with some of that? Well, um, if you're a pastor, and uh, the very first thing I would say, like, get to the point right away. And when yeah. you walk into the pulpit, ask yourself, what am I going to show? Yeah. Uh, a lot of pastors are always, what am I going to say? Well, forget about yeah. saying. You yeah. have to show something. Bring an object yeah. with you. Strike a match. Throw a baseball. Yeah. Do yeah. anything to to compete in this visual media medium that we know. And then there, oh, uh, men will really appreciate that. They, that men are visual learners. We we are yeah. we have yeah. better actually have superior 3D uh, perception over women. And mm-hmm. when we see objects moving through space, we remember what we see. So mm-hmm. that's my tip for the uh, the pastors is to uh, get the point immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're starting your sermon, like I gave you a bad introduction a second ago, here's a good introduction. I was walking through the park when I came across a dead body. That's how you start there your you sermon. Go. I mean, just like what you you, do, you just have to get them right away. You got yeah. my and attention you, now. I want to know more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. So you, you, yeah. this, this is the the uh, the world is completely outgunning us when it comes to yeah. micro content yeah. with yeah. Uh, capturing yeah. people's attention. And Jesus yeah. was a yeah. master of micro content. Did you realize the yeah. That's the excellent. the median length of a of a parable of Jesus is less than forty seconds? Yeah. Yeah. So wow. he was the original micro content producer. His lessons were visual. They were shocking. Um, these are the things we've got to do to capture men's attention again. We can't just make church into a Bible study and, you know, right. turn in your Bibles and it, it's not going to work. We've, we've got to, right. we've got to fight harder for people's attention. What are you, what are you seeing? Uh, you have so a couple of churches that you're seeing some things that have really impacted them. Uh, I know you're talking about, you know, the, the media, the message, et cetera, et cetera. Anything beyond that that you're seeing uh, as you're talking to pastors, consulting, et cetera? Um, I, the consulting has been a little slow since the pandemic. Uh, uh so I'm not, really, I'm not really working directly with uh, a lot of churches okay. right now. Okay. Um, okay. 
But I, I am hearing from some guys who are having some success with visual communication. I teach a uh, graduate level course through Corbin University called Great Online Preaching. Okay. And the yeah. guys I've worked with have started implementing some of these techniques, you know, capture attention in the first three seconds, yeah. use visuals. Yeah. 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 And they are reporting very high, uh, a lot of compliments in the men. The men are remembering yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, w- one of the things I'm actually in Pennsylvania right now working on a series for men. Uh, targeting the TikTok generation. And what we're doing sure, is we're creating sure. modern day parables. Hmm. So, uh, and they're not Jesus's parables, they're new parables. Right. And they're designed as discussion starters. And we're going to release them hmm. on social media. And they're very visual. Um, yep. You know, a guy walk guy walks in and he sees, you know, he, he sees $5,000 on a table and he, you know, the, yep. the it, and they're all on white. And so they, they just really pop right off the screen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, you can see my heart is I'm trying to help. Yeah. If we're going to reach men, we've got to learn yeah. to communicate visually. And I want to help yeah. pastors do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That That's exactly our heart as well. We're trying to reach men. We're trying to do it through the leaders, uh, pastors and leaders. Uh, you're, you're coming along with the visual piece and, and being able to help spice up the message. So it gets our attention. So they'll hear the message is, is a, is an absolute fabulous thing. I noticed on your website, you have a survey for a church to fill out to see if they're a uh, a uh, male friendly church or mm-hmm. how male friendly yeah. they are. How yes. has that gone? Yeah. What's been the, the the impact of that? Yeah, if you go to davidmurrow.com and then you go to my church for men uh, sub page there, you can yep. take this uh, free little uh, being printed out, and it's fifty questions like you know yep. um, how long are your services and. Exactly. Uh, you know, how often do you do something uh, entertaining or fun or engaging right. and those sorts of things? And what color is your church painted? Is it pink? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, um, we go yes. through 50 different ways that you can c- just subtly communicate it. to the men that this is something for you and not just for your grandma. Yeah. As as, tra- as traditional churches die off and uh, contemporary churches take their place, that, that decor issue, that envir- environmental yeah. issue is less and less important. Um, more and more churches are creating a gender neutral or even a guy friendly milieu. And that's good. But then, you know, we have the problem with the lengthy praise and worship. That's, that's also, you know, it's such a, it doesn't seem like a problem to the guys who like that, you know, Oh, I love praising the Lord for half an hour. Well, the guy you're inviting probably doesn't. So yeah, you probably um, don't. Probably doesn't. So it's Uh, just, uh, we've got to start thinking like evangelists. Mm. We do. We absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. We absolutely do. I think that's great. So um, you, you mentioned there may be another book coming. What, what's in your mind? What are you processing right now? Oh, gosh, I always got 12 books in the back of my mind. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah, I mean, the, the, my heart is really this, this um, that we've got to create sermons that are competitive online, that people yeah. will watch, remember, yeah. and share with yeah. each other. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we just have had a huge shift in the way, you know, for 500 years, people went to the lecture hall to get their ideas. Mm -hmm. Right now, nobody's doing lectures anymore. Schools are getting rid of them. Universities are getting rid of them. Businesses are getting rid of them. Clubs are getting rid of them. Who keeps the lecture? The church. We give them a weekly lecture. And so we're simply not competitive in the new marketplace of ideas, which is fast, visual, capture, attention, start conversations. Yeah. Uh, too too many times we, we, when we're dealing with men, we end the conversation because we, as we say, well, the Bible says, and the Bible yeah. says, and you should, and the Bible, Jesus says, yeah. Yeah. no, no, you know, let it, let them talk, give them enough rope to hang themselves, yeah. and then right. bring the right. Bible in. 
And that's well, much more effective with men than just, you know, cramming scripture down their throat. Yeah. Well, even it's the parables or, or even the real life stuff that Jesus went through, like woman at the well. I mean, he didn't go bang her over the head with the Bible. This is not a male context thing, but just the approach of questions of, of getting into their story. So you understand why they are where they are and then try to help them move forward as they desire. And certainly then you bring in the scripture because that's what we lean on as the basis, not not the head beating, but the basis, the foundation for our life is the word of God. And so then you can begin to eventually bring it in. It's good. That's right. Yeah. We we really got we gotta let the guys talk and then see yeah. that their need find discover yeah. their own need for God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and they will. They they get there. When we build a relationship, you know, we've talked over and over, Dale and I have in, in these podcasts, that life transformation only occurs in the context of a relationship. Yeah. You, you don't mm-hmm. have a relationship if you're telling them all the answers that you think before you ever have the conversation. And, Not going to uh, work. It, no, it really, really doesn't. Dale, you were talking about a church that you were familiar with that's, that's tried to ex, uh, implement this stuff that David is working on. What... Uh, what was some of the examples that they used there? Well, one of the one of the great things was is shortly after David's book came out, I was watching just what uh, churches were doing in response to it. And like David said, he probably expected, you know, when you first hear that uh, word hate, when you know, why do men hate going to church? A lot of churches were resistant on thinking that they didn't even see it. They didn't even know it, that men were right. tuning out from what they were doing. So I happened to go to a church that uh, had taken David's book to heart and they were putting together and I traveled across the country to go to be at that church to watch them engage their men on a on a weekend uh, of services and stuff and I I came back refreshed thinking that there is hope first of all but they had found some key ways to not only bring in the masculine context but at the same time, to challenge and call out their men. And I used a lot of those things that I learned that weekend in my subsequent years in ministry. And I thought it was just like, and David's already mentioned it too, when you engage men, let them have a little bit of a piece of the action and uh, call them out, give them an accountability structure for it, things happen. And that's what happened in our church. That's awesome. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. So, David, on your website, if I'm a pastor and I'm thinking, I don't know if I have a male context or not, didn't know there was one, um, what are some of the resources you have available to help them as they jump on your website? Oh, I got a ton of free stuff there. Um, if you go to davidmurrow.com and then slash church for men, um, I've got the quiz you mentioned, the the man-friendly yep. test. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, lot of uh, articles on my blog with practical stuff that pastors can do to create a more masculine environment. That's everything from the topics you choose for your sermon to, you know, sermon length to, you know, uh, object lessons, all the things you need to do to make your sermon memorable and impactful to men. It's all there. So go take a look. Uh, you, you said you're doing, that's all right. You said you're doing an online preaching uh, course. Uh, what What is, yeah. is that just through the college or is that, uh, can any pastor no, sign up? Any, do something? Yeah, anybody can take that. It's on Teachable. And if you just okay. look for David Moreau on, on Teachable, you can sign up. It's like 150 bucks for 15 lessons. I priced it real oh, low wow. um, oh, wow. because I want to help. I want to help pastors get this training. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing how the little things matter, and especially if you're trying to get traction online. Because when you yeah. preach to a room, you're the only guy talking. When you right. post your sermon online, you're one of a billion different things people could watch. 
And pastors just do a terrible job of competing for attention because they've never had to. Well, pastor, you've got to learn to compete for attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's the reality. I mean, we can deny the reality, meaning we don't want to believe it. But you can either deny it and not be included, or you can accept the reality and work with it, not diluting your message, but diluting your method so that you can absolutely connect to or changing your method so you can connect to the people that you're trying to reach. So that, that's a real critical thing. I know every time you've spoken, you've had you've you've illustrated exactly what you're teaching in terms of on your book and your website and everything else. You've had some kind of an object lesson um, hmm. to try to help get our attention any, anywhere from a, a match to any number of things, just to try to uh, to make that happen. One of our teaching pastors in my church is the Broncos chaplain, and he hmm. does a lot with because he deals with you know men all the time. Many of them who don't have a big spiritual hunger. So whenever he speaks, he tries to get a uh, an object lesson of something to get a hold of them and then apply it to something in life. And uh, it, whenever he speaks, he's got all my attention uh, because I know something's coming and I'm ready for it uh, because yeah. I, I'm excited about something that's going to happen that can help tie the message. Yeah, I mean, that's what I tell pastors. If you want a church full of men, bring an object lesson every single week and and yeah. walk up into the pulpit with it because people are going to yeah. say, what's it going to be this week? Yeah. And they'll come to expect it, you know, um, yeah. just yeah. really work hard, work hard on not just yeah. being, I, I think seminaries kind of misinform pastors. If I just put together the right uh, yeah. collection of words, then yeah. God will yeah. move. Well, no, no. You, you have to think, no. no, how do I, how do I make this so memorable? that it can't right. be forgotten. And you do that with right. visuals. You do. You absolutely do that. That's really great. Good. Well, um, any last words that you want to share, David, from compilation of thoughts, other talks you've given, other connections you've made? What uh, If I'm a pastor and I'm trying to do one thing, what might that be? Well, let, let me let me just veer off for a second. I think this is yeah. germane to what we're talking about. Uh, when yeah. When... My book was written, Sunday school was very girl-friendly and youth group yes. was very boy-friendly. Yeah. So we would eliminate the we would eliminate the little boys. And mm-hmm. then we'd have youth group, which was really fun, really goofy, you know, a lot of guy stuff. In the last 10, 15 years, that's completely Quite. flipped. Mm-hmm. A children's ministry is now very boy-friendly, but youth yep. group is very girl-friendly. Back to girls. Uh lengthy praise and worship, lots of emotion, lots of um yeah, uh, it's 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 not very boy friendly, mm-hmm. and so what we're seeing is boys are growing up in the church, they're enjoying children's ministry, and then they get to youth group, and it just wipes them out they because they're delivering. Like it yeah. It's very very much about feelings, and and yeah, yeah. yeah it's okay to have those conversations, but you're going to want to have that one on one with a guy, not in a big group yeah. of a bunch of girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, and Good then point. again, I'm I, I'm going to harp on the music again, but you know. A, Trying to get a teenage boy to sing the latest praise song is like trying to get a, a you know a duck to climb the Empire State Building. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so um, you 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 definitely need to um, I, I, to youth group leaders. I say make it fun, uh, yeah. make it you know fun first, serious second, and yeah. don't don't do the youth praise band. Sing a couple of silly songs and get on with it. Just like yeah. young life, young life understands men. They. Young men, yep. they they do they still do masculine context, but most yep. church based youth groups are designed to help the men fail and the girls succeed. Mm. Yeah, well, it, here's a lot, a lot of youth pastors are now girls; they're young ladies. 
Yeah, um, that's the other part. Yeah, that's the other challenge. You become like your leader. And so um, if my leader is a feminine leader because she's a girl, um, then I am going to react accordingly. If it's a guy who is the kind of man that I like, want to follow, yeah. encourage by, have a relationship with, uh, and I can't have that kind of a relationship as a guy. I can't have that kind of relationship with a female youth pastor. No, no, Wendell, you, you really touched on a great point. Prior to about the 1990s, there were no female youth leaders. Every no, no. church had a had no. had a guy. Had a guy, yeah. and a he guy. was always, yeah, he was a he was a jock type surfer yep. dude, yep. you know, goofy, yep. pizza, yep. shaving cream, yep. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the and guys youth stuff. group was. Yeah, youth group yeah. was fun, and then you yeah. games, goofiness, and God, and God yeah. always came after the games and the goofiness. Yeah, absolutely. And and it worked. The four, that's how yeah. I came to Christ is in yeah. a youth group because it was fun. It engaged yeah. me, yeah. and you know I really looked up to my youth leader. He was a great guy, yeah. and so yeah, we've got a we've got a big preacher shortage coming. We got a youth leader shortage. We do. we do. It's it's a it's mission critical that we get qualified guys into these positions and. Uh, Deliver yeah. a youth group in a masculine context and not all yeah. touchy feely, musicy. Right, right. And also, if, if when we get these guys in there, make them feel like you don't have to do this for a, a short period of time, and then you got to graduate to the big church and become an yeah. adult pastor. I mean, there's a calling for youth, for students. Yeah. And that right. calling, the the men who have that, they need to stay there and not feel the pressure to go take a church somewhere, uh, because what they've <laughs> done with the youth doesn't necessarily translate 100% to what they may do with the adult church. And so uh, they have to uh, they have to change because the adult church says you got to change. And yeah, you can't, can't be fun anymore. No, <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. It's serious worship and serious this and serious that. And yeah. For, yeah. for me, when I was a youth pastor, it was like, well, how long do you do that before you become a real pastor? It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. I am a real pastor. I'm changing lives for the future. And that's that's a message we got to continue to get back to. So David, thank mm-hmm. you. You're a you're a blessing. Yeah. I, I, I thank God for you. As I said in the early time, a leader has to set the uh the tone of reality. What is reality? And you do a good job with that. You're a truth teller, uh, and yet you do it with with a heart that says, I want to help you succeed in the call that God has given you. The church is the instrument. Uh, that God has chosen. And so we've got to recreate the church in a way that that attracts the men so they are doing what God has called them to do. So bless you. Thank you for the work you do. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You bet. So this has been a very important topic. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for joining and, and listening to it. Uh, if you want to reach uh, David Murrow, it's just, again, davidmurrow.com. A lot of great resources, um, a lot of great uh, opportunities for you to jump on. And uh, it will be good for you to do that. Just a reminder, our episodes are launched on the first and third Thursdays of every month. If you've not yet subscribed, please do so on our website or wherever you consume your podcast. Please rate these. We like to know how we're doing. Are we hitting the mark? Are we saying what needs to be said? Are we encouraging you? Please let us know. And to give us ideas for things you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks for joining us. You're the reason we exist. We do all this for pastors and leaders of men. Because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God.